Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans for fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. Hello, Brewer fans. Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast number 53, and I do believe this is our first official one of the new year of 2019, or call it a new season, so to speak. Uh, we somehow pounded out 52 episodes last year. Um, I don't know how we did it, but amazing. Um, and given the, what is it, 8 to 12 years we were doing the book review, we were only able to pound out about 93 or so, I think, um, actual television shows, but, um, 53 podcasts in one year, not bad, guys. So congratulations on a great year. Thanks, yeah. Craig. I think we should step it up, too, and, and we should maybe even do more podcasts this year. We've yeah, got a lot of fans that are 100. kind of clamoring for some. We could we could do at least yeah, maybe one or two a week. Two a week would be fine. I don't know who on that bat when Chad would be on the first podcast, but I don't think anyone predicted um, it would be this way into the uh, – Tenure of the Brookfield podcast, but um, is that Chad on today? He said something about he's recovering from something heartbreak, something, something. I don't know what he's talking about. It was related to Chicago Bears. Not exactly sure. He really likes them. So, Hmm. Um, but uh, anyway, with me today, though, of course, uh, like every. Pretty much every single of the 52 podcasts is uh, Scott Bartell and Mr. Lotto. Hey, guys. Yo. Hey, Craig. Hey, Scotty. Happy New Year, guys. Yeah, Happy New Year. Yeah. Um, and let's welcome to 2019, hopefully the Milwaukee Brewers' uh, first world championship year. Yeah, we were, we were one win away from – one game away from the World Series last year, which is quite an accomplishment. I didn't think any of us. When we started the podcast uh, last spring, thought that that was going to be what happened, but I think we played a big part in that, um, bringing all the fans <laughs> to, our, to, our, to our show. And also, um, yeah, I mean, just the Brewers made the playoffs a few times during another 10-year of the run of our show. So uh, during that stretch when we were on a hiatus, uh, so were the Brewers from the playoffs. So we're back, and so are the Milwaukee Brewers, hopefully. Uh, I'm going to give some of the credit to him. David Stearns, though, our young GM, has made uh, some great moves last offseason, obviously getting Kane and Yelich on the same day, and those are basically our two best players uh, from last season, including the NL MVP, Kristen Yelich, um, and that led us all the way uh, deep into the playoffs, and they're going to be back this season, and so are a lot of the other outfielders, except uh, stands a couple of them, uh, so that's what we're going to kind of focus on the, the last podcast, we've got a couple of moves made. Um, basically, uh, David Stearns has traded both Domingo Santana and Keon Broxton. Um, so, um, I guess I'll first start, just start by saying I'm a little bit underwhelmed by the Santana, uh, return and I'm a little bit overwhelmed. Uh, maybe that's not the right terminology, but I was, uh, pleasantly surprised by the return on Keon Broxton. In fact, I actually I only had to pick one or two of the sides. I'd actually think that I like the players we got in the Broxton deal over the Santana deal, which is shocking to me. Uh, but 
Um, with that being said, uh, to go over more of the details, Scott's interns are in on, uh, on this. They're going to give us the details. But let's start uh, talking about the details and then uh, your commentary on the Dominguez-Santana trade. Yeah, it was really sad to Scott, see uh, Dominguez-Santana yeah. go. He was uh, traded to the Mariners. And <laughs> I guess we should point out that, you know, the, the two names that we're bringing up here are, are two of the most – uh, I guess, rumored to be traded this year uh, within the Brewers organization. So um, I, I don't think either one of us is, or any of us are really surprised by either of these trades. But, um, yeah, let's see. Domingo Santana, what did he get traded for? I don't even remember. Let's see. Oh, well, well we got actually, Ben Gamble. Gamble's younger brother, Ben Gamble, was the ben Gamble. headliner of the deal. Um, yeah. Left-handed hitting um, – fourth outfielder type from the Seattle Mariners. He can play all three outfield positions, even though I question whether or not he can play center. Um, he also, I don't say that, I don't know if he can exactly hit, but um, he has been uh, in the major leagues before. So, um, and then well, that, we also to, got To that him. point, guys, we got a, uh, sorry, Trey, but just, just to that point, let's, maybe we should analyze Gamble here for a minute or two just on his own um, before Scott and his intern can go through the rest of the, the trade. But um, Gamble certainly doesn't have any power, and I think that that's a big thing that we lose with um, with Santana. You know, with, with Santana, you could count on, well, not count on, but you could look at him as a guy who could potentially hit, you know, over 20 home runs. Um, Gamble had, I think, one home run last season. So from that perspective, we're, we're definitely losing some power in that trade. He does have a, a decent OBP uh, skill set, though. And I, maybe Stearns is really more of an OBP than a power guy. Um, he kind of seems to be trending that way in some of his moves. But love to hear your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, I think Stearns also came right out and said uh, Santana was out of options and, um, and Gamble is not, and that was quite a factor in the trade. Um, also, his left-handedness, I think, was more attractive than uh, being, obviously, Santana's a right-handed hitter. Uh, with that being said, I don't think there's anyone in the league uh, that would uh, think that uh, would, would pick Gamble over Santana uh, at all, talent level-wise. Um so, I don't know, it's hard to see us winning this trade. We did get a minor league pitcher from Harvard University, which happens to be also Stern's alma mater, uh, alma mater I should say. And, uh, yeah, so maybe that obviously was a huge factor, and he's got a pretty decent upside uh, himself, um, a recent draftee. Um, but, um, I mean, if you look all the way back to uh, – 2017 season, Domingo Santana was arguably our, one of our, our best hitter, put up the best hitter on the entire, um, you know, for the Brewers. He had 30 home runs, I think, uh, and, you know, after we acquired Danny Yellich in the same day last offseason, we like, hey, wait, there's no more starting spot for our best player, Santana, in outfield with Braun around and everything. So, um What's, well, oh, great. We have a great trade ship now. Uh, really attractive trade ship. It was under team control. So all Brewer fans have been clamoring since last January, almost a full calendar year, for us, the Brewers, to trade Santana and also to get something of really good value for him. And I think maybe the fact that the Stern has kind of lost some of the leverage teams knowing that we kind of were looking to move Santana and possibly not offer enough. Uh, a return for him to accept until almost a year later when, in my opinion, he 
didn't get that great of a return um, for Santana. But, you know, it plays, I, I think it's kind of really working on just roster management and building the 2019 roster. Um, and I think he thinks Gamble fits better in the Brewers' plans for next season than Santana does. And I guess I'm not one to argue with that, but uh, I'm still a little bit disappointed with the overall return for Santana because I thought it would be much greater. Or that he'd be like a secondary piece in landing like a more of a frontline starter type, but apparently that's not the case. Yeah, Craig, sorry about that while you're talking. Uh, the intern handed me a piece of paper that said that uh, Noah Zavolis was the uh, pitcher from Harvard uh, that also came along to Milwaukee in that trade. And, yeah, I guess to your point, uh, I was thinking, um, you know, it looked like, yeah, last year we were we were looking at potentially trading Santana, and like you said, apparently there weren't any takers or, I don't know, Stearns wasn't getting what, it, what he had hoped, but – it's hard to think that he was going to get any kind of, or it's hard to think that whatever he got in this trade was um, the best of any of the offers that he's gotten in the last year for him. So I don't know, maybe, maybe lesson learned on that one. Maybe we hung on to him a little too long. Yeah. Good, good takes guys. Um, really interesting. I don't know that Santana had the value in the last couple of years that maybe his Brewer fans, we thought that he did. Um, that being said, I, I guess I just see this as being a little bit of a shift away from um, a power-hitting guy and more of the, again, OBP can play multiple positions, um, versatility, has options type of guy. And uh, Stearns has, has done that several times, it seems like, over the course of his you know relatively brief tenure in Milwaukee. Um, you see him do it with guys like Chris Davis as well. And I, I, I tend to think that that's probably what led Santana to not have more of a role on the team last year to begin with. Um, and burned up those options last season. Yeah, and I think the pitcher that we did require, the the prospect that we did get, uh, has enough upside that he could become a mid-rotation starter possibly in the future. Um, obviously, with all prospects, that's you know, maybe like a 10%, 20% chance of happening. But it's a nice player to have to add to our system, which got thinned out a little bit last year because of trade. So always restocking the farm is a good thing. And I think that may that player in and of itself could probably, you know, offset the difference uh, of value, in my opinion, between Gamble and, and Santana. So I wouldn't say even as I lost the trade or anything like that at this point, you really can't say that, but I was just still just overall surprised that we didn't get more for uh, Santana. Cause I really think that he could be a good starting outfielder for uh, a major league club. And I guess we'll see with Seattle as Seattle's kind of retooling himself. Um, and I think he could be a good, a good fit for them, so we shall see. So, but for the Brewers, you know, obviously we wish Ben Gamble can be a big part uh, of our 2019 plans and beyond. So we shall see. Um, um, and, and then also, um, I guess let's turn right over to the next trade, and that's Keon Broxton. Um, he was traded for three minor league players from the to the New York Mets. Um, uh, and Scott Vincent will get out all the names. Uh, first of all, to me, um, the key, or the main piece coming back to major league ready, um, power reliever, Bobby Wall, previously pitched from, um, Ole Miss in college. He came out of college as a college closer with a similar upside and pedigree as like a Corey Knable when he came out of college. So he's almost like a Corey Knable light in my mind. Um, so that, you know, that's, I would almost say if that was a one-for-one one deal, I wouldn't have argued that we lost that trade. But the fact that turns out to be able to add in two more pieces to that uh, really leads me to believe that we run won this trade, and I'm 
guys must hit for a Broxton who is pretty much out of options and has shown to Brewer fans kind of what he is. And uh, he's a valuable fourth outfielder, fifth outfielder type, but uh, I did not think he was going to bring as much of a return as he did. And the other players he got, uh, uh, a fourth-round pick from the 2018 draft, who had a pretty good year uh, last year in the minor leagues, uh, that's Adam Hill. Um, I'm pretty excited about him. I really think that he profiles more of a reliever than a starter, but if you're a fan of Milwaukee Brewers organization um, and Stearns acquired the bullpen arm, you better um, take note of it because I think that's the future of the Milwaukee Brewers is also a strong bullpen, uh, at least when Stearns is at the helm. So I think this is definitely a guy that he has typed out on. And uh, through the minor leagues last year, his first year in the minors, he, had, he was struck out like I think 14 to 15 batters an inning, so that's pretty incredible. Um, he's like 6'6", six, six, less than 200 pounds, so he's a little bit lanky, but if he fills out his frame, and, uh, you know, I'm pretty excited about him as a player. And then the third piece in the deal we got is a guy's name I uh, can't pronounce, but the second base, I think Valero is his last name. Uh, second baseman, he's only, I think, 17, I think he might turn 18 now, years old from the Mets system, and he hit something uh, over 300 uh, for rookie ball for the Mets. But again, this is a player that's many years away from the major still, like three or four years at least. Uh, but he really, he's only 5'7", I know. <laughs> but a right-handed hitter um, can really hit the ball. And, uh, you know, I can't compare all these players to Jose Altuve. But, I mean, he, he's a, obviously a hitting machine. But this guy actually can hit. And he's a nice player to add to the system too. So um, definitely awesome job by Stearns and the Broxton deal, in my opinion. Craig, uh, that's a that's a really good take. I don't uh, I don't disagree with you about the trade straight up with Broxton. I, I do think that Broxton has, um, you know, a decent amount of upside. I think that he's a like you said a great fourth outfielder. I think his defense is outstanding and one of the top outfielders in the National League. And um, you know, obviously the the biggest hole in his game is his high strikeout rate. Um, he, he he had a tremendous amount of strikeouts in his time up with Milwaukee. He does have some power and he's got some speed, but that strikeout um, ratio is just incredible. But um, I'll throw this out to you guys, and I think that – so, to me, I don't know that we lost either one of the trades straight up necessarily, but my bigger concern is that even with taking into account the fact that neither Broxton or Santana had options remaining, I I worry now a little bit about our outfield depth. And, you know, going into last year, we had not only Kane, Yelich, and Braun, but we also had Brett Phillips, we had Broxton, we had Santana. Um, and now I look at our outfield depth, as being an area of need almost, you know, we don't, we, Curtis Granderson is currently a free agent. We have not brought him back. So right now our fourth outfielder is Ben Gamble. And I don't know that we have a fifth outfielder that's got any major league experience. So I guess my question for you guys is number one, is it a problem that, you know, we're trading a lot of our depth from the outfield um, and taking away from a strength on the team. And number two, um, if we are looking for a fifth outfielder, or perhaps even a fourth outfielder to slide in, uh, to that position at some point during the season. Are we talking about Corey Ray or somebody else from our own system, or do you guys think that the Brewers are going to still target, um, you know, some other maybe lower-cost outfielder that, that might be a free agent right now? Well, I mean, I would say, I mean, it's weird because we have four outfielders, but we kind of have five because you sort of considered, like, Thames and, and Hernan Perez to be kind of half outfielders, I guess, that could kind of fill in and, you know, because of the versatility, I mean, that's obviously something that Stearns is, is definitely a fan of. So I, I don't necessarily know. I guess I'm kind of 50-50 on it. Like, I think that if um, if there's, like, an 
a veteran outfielder that can really bring a lot to this team that maybe just isn't getting much in, in an overcrowded free agent market, then maybe we could, you know, swoop in and, and grab somebody like that. But I don't think that we're actively looking for anyone, but it's, it's hard to say. Yeah, it's just to me, it's interesting. And, and part of my concern stems from Ryan Braun. And I think that, um, you know, if we've learned anything about Ryan Braun over the last, you know, say four or five seasons, it's that he's subject to a lot of nagging injuries. He hasn't missed a ton of time from one long injury, but he's missed a lot of time just because of battling nagging stuff. And I almost think that the Brewers would be best off putting him in a, um, essentially like a, a full-time bench role and just having him step in in the outfield and step in at first base um, and still play, you know, five days a week, but at least rest his legs a little bit by stalling him a little bit at first. And then, um, you know, having him come off the bench, it would be an incredibly valuable bench bat to me, at least late in games as a right-handed power threat. So I think right now you have to look at the team on paper and say Braun's going to start the majority of games in left field. I just don't know that that's the best way to utilize his, his still very valuable skill set, though, at this point in his career when I think that he could be maybe a better bench option or even a better guy in a platoon situation with a left-handed stick at, at first base. But, um, you know, I, I don't know that we can do that right now with the depth that we currently have in the outfield. Yeah, good good point, uh, Vince, definitely about the depth. And I'm assuming you trade uh, two of your outfielders that – I think in 2017, both of them are starting outfielders for most of the, uh, well, obviously Santana, yeah, yeah, like they were our best players and, and Brock's yep. played center field for most of the year. And yep. I mean, they did a pretty commendable job and put up pretty respectful numbers, especially Santana, uh, over the course of that season. Both of them were prone to strikeouts. Uh, Santana, uh, like no defense. Keon, tons of defense. And, uh, you know, there's different players. Santana hit a little bit better. I uh, got a face lot more. Keon had a very low bang average and, you know, like uh, just different players, but his defense, you know, he definitely brought that. So losing those guys, uh, you know, are definitely take a hit to the team. I agree with that, but uh, I, I can see since the offseason is not over yet, I really see that there's those type of veteran players uh, like Curtis Granderson will kind of be hanging around uh, as spring training approaches, looking for spots to, you know, rosters that they can even fit into. And, uh, we, you know, we're prospect hounds ourselves or whatever, and we always, there's always these new players coming in the league that you're excited about. Well, people fail to realize that there's only a certain number of jobs in the major leagues. Uh, there's only some of our roster spots. And when all these, uh, you know, teams bring in new talent and new cheap talent, which is huge for small market teams like the Brewers, you know, there's always guys, veterans that kind of get pushed off rosters. So I, I think that happens every offseason. I think as uh, the, the offseason, you know, goes a little bit deeper here. I, I, I really think Stearns will find someone, if need be, that we can plug off the labor wire or make a small trade for or something like that. So um, I think it's, he's smart to make these moves now uh, while, while teams still have interest in acquiring the players like Broxton and Santana to potentially be, uh, play major roles on those teams, the Mets and the Mariners. And uh, I think Stearns can now just sit back and – I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if he went ahead and – in the uh, trade of the Eric Thames if there was someone interested in taking on a salary. Um, with that being said, and the, the point that you made, Vince, about can Ryan Braun play every day, and there have been people that have even questioned, like, what if uh, Jesus Aguilar's season was not – was a little bit smoke and mirrors and he kind of comes back down to earth a little bit at first base. I think by keeping Thames on the roster, if that's indeed what happened, you kind of have some platoon uh, backup insurance for Braun as a corner outfielder and you also have 
either a platoon slash um, insurance for um, our first base role. Um, as Thames, again, looking back just two seasons ago, Thames was not only um, our starting first baseman, but he <laughs> shot out of the gate pretty good and had a pretty awesome season uh, for the Brewers in 2017. And now, again, he is just regulated to a you know, backup reserve role, but he's still a valuable piece to have for depth. And uh, but it wouldn't even shock me if we moved him, and I still won't be super worried because I think I, I trust Stearns bringing back someone. Even could even be Curtis Granderson himself, uh, you know, left-handed right. veteran that could also play center field. Who knows? Uh, but right. I'm not so worried about it yet. But as the roster stands right now, after those two guys move, absolutely, we're, we're missing some depth there. But I think that uh, he can plug the holes with some guys that um, definitely get the job done. Yeah, and if we if we do trade if we do trade Thames, and I, I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I'm just saying it is if, if we do, we've got to make sure that Jesus is the real deal because you know he's going to be getting the vast majority of starts. Number one and number two, with him being a right-handed batter and and Braun hitting from the same side of the plate, you're not going to see a platoon of any type there. Really, you might see Braun take it there, she there occasionally, but it's not going to be a you know righty-lefty platoon split. So that means Jesus is essentially being given that first base job right out of the gate and. um yeah, hopefully he can run with it. But that is something, you know, that Stearns is going to have to consider when he's he's looking at it, potentially moving um, moving Eric Thames. So I, I wouldn't move Thames just to move him. I, I would move him, but um, only if it was the right fit for a trade. You know, a lot of us, have, we, we've kind of bandied about about different trade scenarios with Thames on, on previous episodes. And, um, you know, if you can move Thames for a starting pitcher, I know that, um, we you know, we've talked about Sonny Gray, and, and um, I think that he does fit that mold. You know, somebody that's uh, – that's a, a better than average starting pitcher, then you seriously consider moving Thames. But I wouldn't do it just for anybody either. Um, I think that he still has some value to the team um, as is if we do keep him. Absolutely, I really, I really like Thames a lot, and, and he's he is making six million this year, the last year of his three-year contract that he signed coming back from um, from Japan. But um, he definitely is someone that um, you know. I, I was actually disappointed he was left off the postseason roster, to be quite honest. He just seems to get those clutch hits in, in, in times when you need them. And I don't know, there's just, he's very likable. And I, I, you can tell that he's a good clubhouse guy and all that stuff, too. He's a valuable person to have on the team. Um, but with that being said, the, the Brewers payroll is kind of, I don't want to say it's maxed out, but, it, you know, $6 million is nothing to sneeze at for a, for a fourth or fifth outfielder or just bench steps, but uh, with that being said, uh, I would not be disappointed at all if Eric Thames started the 2019 season as the Milwaukee Brewers 25-man uh, roster, that's that's for sure. Yeah, and that's the thing, though. I don't see us moving teams just for salary relief. I really don't, and I could be wrong, but I don't think that any of us know what the Brewers' payroll really is or could be. I think, though, that um, you know, for him to be moved for salary might be a, a pretty big mistake. I think that uh, unless Stearns has a direct plan on where he wants to apply that money, I, I, I really can't see that. I could see him being moved for another contract, uh, you know, a starting pitcher again, um, somebody that's got a, a, some value himself, and we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I do worry just, again, about the lack of depth um, overall on the team once once we've gotten rid now of uh, Santana and of uh, Broxton. Yeah. Guys, you have any comments on that total outfield situation, I guess? No, for some reason I was picturing this really dumb scenario in my head where, like, Antonazio keeps, like, calling Stearns and he's like, hey, are you going to trim that extra $5 million off the payroll like you said you were going to? You said you were going to do it. And Stearns is just like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting to it, yeah. And that's pretty much it. But he has no intention of doing it. I don't know. Be interesting. <laughs> but um, 
I was thinking to the, I guess, the sort of second part of your question, and, um, like, is there anyone in the Brewers minor leagues that could, could potentially step up in and play in the outfield? And I think my answer is probably no. Uh, the only person I can even think of off the top of my head is Tyrone Taylor, but I, I – Because we're, we're kind of – because we're kind of the consensus that Corey Ray isn't ready, right? I mean, he had a great yeah, year last season, a great year well, no, in AA, but he, he hasn't you know, played you, you in AAA. Him earlier, you mentioned him earlier, Ben, that Corey Ray, I think, um, isn't like ready to first starting role probably, but he is going to be a AAA this year. He finished a full season at AA last year. He'll be a AAA, so he's definitely a step away from the Mainers. In case of, you know, injury or ineffectiveness or something like that, he's definitely, you know, after at least like the first month or so of the season, so he burns up whatever. Um, you know, uh, clock he has, uh, for arbitration stuff or whatever. Uh, he, he's definitely someone who we could call upon if he's, you know, having a great year at AAA or we are having issues. So he's a great step to have and, and definitely a possible future starter, um, for us. And he had a great year last in the minor league, uh, uh, regained some of his value. But there's some other guys, uh, obviously, uh, like Scott just mentioned, there's also a breakout outfielder last year, Troy Stokes Jr. Um, he was also going to be a triple A, I believe, and he's going to be, you know, someone who's there for draft two and possible contributor going in the next season. So, um, yeah, I would say overall, with that being said, I would still feel more comfortable with the Brewers, um, you know, kind of added a, a veteran to their bench, um, so to speak, just because, I mean, if we're in a rebuilding team, I'm, I'm more than excited to bring those guys up and give them some major league at bats, but. I consider the Brewers major contenders for 2019, and with that being said, I always kind of like the last best spots are uh, filled by by veterans that have got major league experience, especially when it comes to the you know playoff run time or whatnot. But you know those guys can always be players as the season goes on. Um, and going back to the same example as Granderson, when teams are falling into contention and are willing to trade those guys to move their salary, so. Um, Again, going into the season, not not too not so much worried about our outfield depth, and obviously Braun Yacht came to get the majority of our outfield at bat in 2019. I don't think that's uh, that's that's in question. So as long as that's in place, I'm not not too concerned. Yeah, no, I totally totally agree on those three should be the starters. Um, but I'm, I am just worried about one injury or two injuries would be devastating. So I. I do worry just because of Braun's fragility, whether or not he can he can hold up. But yeah, I mean, I think our starting three outfielders on paper are we probably have you know in the top couple outfield outfield in all of baseball. So I mean, that's certainly the bright point in all this discussion. Absolutely, with two former NL MVPs uh, and well, came probably in the top five at MVP voting in both leagues. Yeah, and Lorenzo Cain and Lorenzo Cain should have by rights won a Gold Glove last season and. How he didn't is still a mystery to me, but um, he is a Gold Glove caliber uh, outfielder in my in my book. How Gold Gloves are even voted on is a mystery to me. I assume they just take like the most three popular names and then draw one out of a hat. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Regardless, the metrics are not a factor in Gold Glove whatsoever. Hey, hey Craig, isn't uh, Carlos Gomez still a free agent? We can bring him back. <laughs> I probably is. Um, so yeah, I mean, and they can talk about a, a straight up Broxton, a veteran version of Broxton. There you go. Yeah, that's so, exactly right. <laughs> so we might as well get something for the young guy and just bring back Gomez for basically nothing because I don't think he's a Yeah, you can sign him for cheap this year. He played on a pretty cheap deal with uh, Tampa Bay last season. Yeah. I so, do I want to. 
Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I just really wanted to throw out there really quick that, um, according to our Twitter poll at Brook Review One, uh, 61% of you said that this is our outfield and that we're set for opening day as far as the outfield is concerned. So, Daddy, did you talk to our anonymous source, Tom Carter, though, and ask him about his thoughts on this? Because I would be very interested in hearing our anonymous source, uh, Tom Carter's thoughts. Um, well, you're not supposed to say it. When, so. I, when I asked Tom if, uh, if we were actually like set for the outfield, he he just said, "Yeah, we're set." And I don't know what he meant by that, but it definitely sounded like sarcasm. So I don't know, but I mean, I'm. Hmm. I'm he also okay. mentioned. Let me tell you, idiots, that anonymous is not like a surname, like Mister or Doctor or whatever. It's actually has a full meaning out of, out of itself. That you're not supposed to add it before his name, like anonymous Tom Carter. So he said, "Look it up." But they're, they're still, you know, using the internet or something. But anyway, I don't know what he's talking about. Anonymous is, like, highly regarded, right? Doesn't it mean, like, the same as something else? Like, oh, that's yeah. anonymous, you know, like, like tomatoes are anonymous with tomatoes. Yeah, like, Tom Carter's our source, and our source is Tom Carter. Like, I thought yeah, it was highly anonymous. regarded. Yeah. Like, I always said, like, our anonymous source, Tom Carter. Like, yeah. He's one of our greatest sources, so I try to give him props. I thought anonymous means synonymous with greatness. That's what I thought. Man. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like an, an yeah, they're like like objects. That's what it, I think is. But you know, well, we'll ask our anonymous source, Tom Carter, about his thoughts on the word anonymous. Uh, maybe we can interview him for our next show on the air. That'd be awesome. You know, as long as we're throwing out like like uh, like really far like burb, um like references or whatever. I did want to say at first that like Bobby Wall is going to be like, he absolutely has like the upside to be like a dominant closer or a dominant bullpen arm. He just gets a ton of K's and he has a good power fastball, but um, he does have control issues and he has been uh, bitten repeatedly by the injury bugs. So it'll be interesting to see how that turns out, I guess, but good upside for him. And then Adam Hill was just, um, he was the, the fourth round pick that you had previously mentioned. Um, I, for some reason, like, I'm, I'm always worried when someone gets traded, like, literally six months after they were drafted by that team. Um, and I just picture, like, um, like a grizzled guy, like a Mark Antoniak type, but he's, like, the, the guy's coach or whatever, like, in, you know, in the minors or whatever. And they're like, hey, so – Stearns is asking about Adam Hill. What do you think? Is this guy going to be a big leaguer, or does he have it, or what? And then, like, he just takes a big pull off of a grit, the smart Antoniak type, and he just goes, no, he don't got it. And that, that's pretty much it. So he's like, okay, I'm all training. It's a good scenario. Also, I do want to point out, um, Bobby acquiring Bobby Wall, that's very exciting. And I was going to say um, – that now that Stearns has got his wall, uh, he can stop being an idiot and end the free agent shutdown and maybe sign someone like Dallas Keuchel. Yeah. Um, All I know is we got like, we have a little less than five minutes to go in this great podcast. So what? Well, Scott said Christmas that episode. I don't know. Time flies. We talk so. You much. know what? Corey's main for is not even worth talking about. We'll just we'll, just, we'll pretend like we did. We'll just say All right. just quick. A great addition. We did it. Starting second baseman. <laughs> All right, Scott, start the wrap nine then. Let's go. What? We only have five minutes, and also I don't have any questions. 
<laughs> okay. Well, then we don't even need the five minutes. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll we talk can just about. ask, like, um, here, this is um, here, this is not a rapid nine question. Uh, this is this is your. Uh, um, uh, why, don't, why don't you why don't you read one of our emails? Yeah, this uh, is a fan email. This is um. Uh, this is Hunter from Three Lakes. He says, uh, um, <laughs> this is obviously real, and he says, um, what are your most <laughs> favorite songs to hear at a Brewers game or out uh, while tailgating? I'm just going to go with Take Me Out to the Ball Game and stop all the other music. Maybe I'm an old man now, but I think that the uh, entertainment value of a baseball game is, you know, the baseball game. So I, I don't really care what music they're playing, honestly. I'm just going to have to go with Let's Hear for the Boy by Denise Williams. That's obviously I assume that song's about, song about Stern, but I heard that You know what? Like, GM Walker song. Greg, this is why our show got emailed after you did the Wham! episode for Scott Living Christmas Circuit 2006. Just so you know. Huh? <laughs> it's no Be Your Shelter by Taylor Dane, but it's good. <laughs> it's all right, man. I'm going to say that my, my most favorites growing up were actually probably just the classics, the, you know, the stomping along the We Will Rock You and the, um, uh, the Ramones, the Let's Creek Bop. So essentially, Scott, your favorites are going to be Jock Jam Volume 3. Well, Jams, but yeah. Okay, cool. I'll go with, cool. What about my official answer being um, the beginning baseline for Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes? Oh, that's a good one. That's much yeah, man, that's a great pick. That's a, yeah, way, way, way more of an upgrade than your original suggestion. So. Well, I'm just saying, that's David Stern's fair song, but whatever. Cool, man. I thought everyone right, worked September on these parts, but whatever. I guess if they don't like that song, that's fine. Lee's favorite uh, song is every time that I go tailgate, well, not every time, but there's about an 80% chance every time I tailgate that I'm going to be parked within two car lengths of someone who's blasting Bob Marley. I I don't really have anything against Bob Marley, but it's just not tailgating music to me. I can't stand it. It drives me nuts. And it happens every time. That, I don't know. Scott, my fiance and I, we were just in Jamaica a couple of weeks before Christmas, and um, after being there for just a couple hours, uh, Lauren told me that she's good on hearing Bob Marley again for at least a few years. So just so you're aware, <laughs> you've got some company there. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's such a reggae. It's such a diverse uh, uh, genre of music, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it was I think it was about an hour or so, and that that was that was enough for a few few years. So yeah, there you go. Oh, I didn't realize. Um, hey, I know the, I know we're running out of time, guys. So I, I'm sorry, Craig. I just wanted to say really quick before we run out of time. Um, thank you to all of our Twitter followers and uh, and those of you who are following us. We've got um, quite a few new followers here in the last couple of weeks since our last uh, Christmas episode when Scott said Christmas. Continue to give us a follow on Twitter. It's Brew Crew Review One. And uh, consider sending us your email questions at podcasts with an S at gmail.com. We do have some exciting guests coming up uh, here on future podcasts, including a former Milwaukee brewer who will remain a mystery until we air the show, and an author who is uh, writing a book about the Milwaukee Brewers. Our two uh, scheduled guests coming up in the next few weeks. Nice. Awesome. Thank you. Well, I got like up, oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Well, have, have a good rest of the off season. Don't expect us to sign any major um, 
free agents like Harper, Machado, or Keiko. But anyway, the Brewers will do something, and it'll be exciting, and it'll be perfect <laughs> to turn. And uh, have a good offseason. Have a good month, guys. Can't wait till next week's podcast. And go Brewers. Yeah, yeah Happy New Year, everybody. Go, go Brewers. Brewers.